Here comes Melvin to the 25, to the 20, Gordon 15, 10, 5, touchdown, Wisconsin, record-breaking run, Melvin Gordon, 4-0-8. And while there are a lot of fantastic places all across our country to spend a fall weekend, if you were to ask me today if Madison, Wisconsin is the best of all of them, I would borrow from Bono and say, it was Saturday night. Sideline the front court. Snaps off another three. Booked it. Oh, my goodness. Don't wake him up. Taylor's on fire. Welcome to the Bucky Cast, a Badgers podcast by the fans, for the fans, and with the fans, where we will always turn our backs on Minnesota, where we will always appreciate that six foot four, 330-pound pulling guard, and where a 42-40 defensive slugfest in the Cole Center is not ugly. It's a defensive masterpiece in our eyes. Wherever you came from and however you found us, we hope you enjoy your stay and on Wisconsin. Welcome to the Bucky Cast. Justin here with John and Ryan. How are we doing tonight, boys? How are you doing, John? I'm good. How are you doing, Ryan? Yeah, I'm good, John, man. <laughs> you, you sound like you got a man. foot in the grave. You look like I- it, too. For the people who can't snow, <laughs> I I'm he apparently okay, took his Zoloft. Listen, listen, I'm not. Not though, to joke about real. mental I'm health, but um, no, I'm good. Yeah, this is a great night. It's shaping up to be a good night. Um, what do we got on tap today, Justin? What are we talking about? We will be discussing the quarterback position, our fall preview, fall camp preview for nice. the uh, the position that everybody wants to talk about, the most impressive one on every football team. Well, not impressive, but important. Um, and also diving into our top five linebackers since 2000. It's a brutal list. It and is. of course, and of course, we have to torture Justin and and Ryan with name that name badger. badger. Yeah. Oh God! You want to do a beer round table? Come on, we gotta we gotta we gotta round up the beers. Let's do it. Let's do it. I am drinking, um, I'm going very New England today. I got a Sam Adams. It's a summer ale. Oh. Completely typical type of a summer ale. It's light. It's kind of got some citrus. It's a wheat ale. Um, Totally drinkable. Really smooth. I'll probably go through two of them in the course of this show. Maybe three, depending on how these dudes do their linebacker lists. I may need to dump another 12 ounces down the old hatch, but. You're gonna um, do that anyway, regardless of what our <laughs> linebacker lists look like. So that's Don't that's where I'm yourself. at. I got summer ale today. Um, I am going with Aspen Brewing Company's Ajax Pilsner, um, a very uh, Bavarian Pilsner because there's not a whole heck of a lot of bite to it. Um, very smooth drinking though. Uh, enjoying this one. Uh, Aspen Brewing Company, obviously from Aspen, Colorado. Uh, once again, I'm going to flash Colorado's uh, brewing industry all over uh, all over this podcast. So, woohoo! I'm going to be drinking other beers tonight too, probably just like just like Ryan is. Are we just going to be shotgunning beers for this episode, or what's going on here? <laughs> hey, name a linebacker on your list. Shotgun a beer. Drink. That's how it's going to go. Yeah. Yo, Listen, Justin, yeah. you are the adult supervision. Don't worry about what John and I do. <laughs> <laughs> you keep us on track. here talking to myself. There'll be two passed out yeah. bodies on the floor. All right. I am drinking Ninja Dust again. I'm still working through my fridge. I bought way oh. too much beer there for a while, and now I'm how paying much, the price. How much Ninja Dust, Ninja Dust did you buy? I only bought a six-pack, but I have like five different beers that were in my fridge, and because of that, I had to kind of work my way through them all. I'm not a casual drinker. I, I hit him up when we do these episodes here, and occasionally if I'm watching a sporting event. And unfortunately, I do not have the Bally's Network to watch my beloved Brewers. So because of that, I do not drink as often as I'd like. That's probably a good thing. Yes, I mean, I, I, yes it is. It's there's a, a lot of downsides. Now, there's a lot of downsides, let's be yeah. honest. <laughs> Although they've been good this year, so my, my drinking would not be to drown out any uh, sorrows with the Brewers. The drinking of the drinking in celebration is is yes. so much worse yeah, that, than the drinking <laughs> in sorrow. Because after this a while, you're just like, I'm so I'm so depressed. I'm just going to put the beer away. Whereas when you're drinking in celebration, it's like, is this next beer a good idea? Yeah, it is. I I will say this: the Ninja Dust has effectively gone into a net positive position for me, uh, which <laughs> <laughs> was what I tolerated for the first several times, and now I'm like, you know what? I kind of like this now. 
So the first IPA that I'm giving these Justin seal of approval so far. You have you have beer Stockholm syndrome. I do. It's, it's like been holding keep- me captive. <laughs> <laughs> Come to All right, boys. On that note, let's go ahead and let's start diving into the quarterback position for the year 2021. What about news what? and notes? Oh, wait, there are no news and we notes. We don't have any. It's the summer. Nothing's happened. I know. This is the – for those who don't know, and how could you not know if you're listening to our podcast, July is the dead period of sports. I mean, the Bucks just won a title for yeah. – Well, but that normally doesn't happen in July. Man, this you are salty on that. Yeah, I would you imagine are really for, salty. I would imagine for the majority of, of people who listen to this podcast, if they have an NBA fan, statistically speaking, they would be Bucks fans, so – Oh, you that mean they're not Minnesota happens. Timberwolves fans? But that's oh, not man. that's not pertinent to <laughs> such a joyous work. such a joyous fandom to be after Kevin Garnett left. Purgatory. <laughs> um, but that it, it's it's not as though that has any relevance to to college. I mean, Frank Kaminsky was on the Suns, so in a little sense of he played well, actually. Of, uh, yeah, he did play well. Big Frank had had four, six. Was it six? Anyway, yeah, I thought that he had six. He had six. I th- he did have six. Um, um, but regardless, it's it's literally it's hell. This is when um, uh, message boards on fan websites become clogged with arguments about esoteric subjects. It's just it's a it's a. Well, dead we're in a period dead period again, too, aren't we? Yes, we are in a recruiting. Like, there's no visits that well. can happen in the month of July. So, yep. So it's so it's really normally just guys we'd have summer up. visits going on right now. And it's just, well, it's just, yep, we're not doing anything again. We gave you a whole month to knock stuff out. They're back to the normal schedule because July is always incredibly dead for college sports. And so is the case again this year. Um, so, yeah, now now that we've mentioned the dead the dead zone that is July, now you may proceed, Justin. But this is the dead zone's a great period to get into our preview of the upcom- upcoming season. Yeah. Yes. Um, believe it or not, we are really only 40-ish days away from college yeah. football. So A lot to um, get done, a lot to discuss. A lot of interesting topics but, to to get through before the season starts in terms of without further ado. Positions. Diving into the quarterback position. Which one of you guys has our notes on this? I think Either we all have our own notes. Yeah. Okay. Well, who what is who is our current roster of quarterbacks? Nobody. Oh, I've got it. <laughs> no, no, hold on. Have, I, have, down. It's it's Graham Mertz. It's so Danny Vandenboom, Chase Wolf, Daniel Wright, um, and then and Deacon Hill, Hill will be joining in the fall. Yeah, he's there already. now I'm sure summer lifting. Right. So Deacon yep. Hill is is the incoming freshman, and then it's obviously Mertz is a starter. Wolf has yep. been the backup. Danny Vandenboom, and then Daniel Wright is kind of the de facto extra body. In, in he's, the quarterback he's room, a big. Who's apparently a big, the the, <laughs> the large extra body. summer the summer eating champion, or he just Jared. put on an, an he turned into the uh, defensive lineman from the movie The Program over the he, summer. He <laughs> Jared Lorenzen would be shocked. He would look, he would look at Daniel Wright and go, "Man, Daniel Wright's big." So you found so, out that Toppers is on campus, did you? Yeah, the hefty <laughs> lefty from Kentucky. <laughs> So where do we want to start with this, guys? Do we want to start with Mertz, or do we want to start with what happens if Mertz goes down? Because to me, this this position is one of the easiest to talk about. There's an obvious starter. Um, Well, I mean, it's an interesting – On a 60% completion percentage for Graham. I'm way over that. Okay. I'm over that. I I think he's going to be closer to 65 because honestly, you to be a successful quarterback nowadays, you have to be north of uh, obviously north of sixty percent, and preferably north of sixty-five. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, last year he was not. Despite that first game against Illinois, he finished under sixty mm-hmm. percent completion percentage. So it's a legitimate question to ask. Well, I mean, there's so much to unpack with that. If we're going to take a look at last year, I. You can't ignore it completely, though. Yeah, no, you can't. I mean, we, we've we've heard numerous things here, and just to to ungo it, and I'm not going to make excuses, but this is what we've heard. We've heard that he had a shoulder injury. We know for a fact that he had his top two wide receiver targets go down with injuries and concussions. We know that his number three was a true freshman. 
we know that his four was a guy who was a walk-on who, bless his heart, busted his butt for the program, but is just not physically super gifted. He's he's meant to be more of a, a slot guy if you're going to use him for anything. And we had one tight end who basically completely just wiped himself last year trying to carry the team. And a running game that was offering him not a lot of help either. So, I mean, not to mention the offensive line being all over the place. Like we had, we had his center went out on him at one point. So, I mean, he had about as much that could go wrong for a first year starter as you could possibly have, not to mention getting COVID. So I, I don't know what to make of that. Like we can, we can look at that first game and clearly he's not, I, I don't think anybody's that quarterback. Like on a regular basis, Illinois is really bad too. They are. Well, they they are. Well, that's the point I'm making. That's the point I'm making is that is that nobody is that level of efficient on a regular basis. Nebraska got blown out by that Illinois team. I'd like to point out. (laughs) True, true. Um, I I think it's all data points, though. Like I, I don't think you can take you. You can't totally negate what happened last year. No, you can't. It was a complete crap show in every sense of the word. So I, I put. Uh, I put little stock in it is what I'd say yeah. while acknowledging it happened. And we need, we can't just say what happened. Doesn't, doesn't matter, but I put very little stock in that. that I'm being saying said, I don't know what it means because there's so right. much that was going wrong that it's like, I don't know what, what to, to make of this period. Like it's, if anybody that comes in and assumes that he's going to be a top tier big time quarterback this year, I don't think you can say that. If anybody comes in and says he's going to be absolutely terrible. I don't think you can say that either. The he's truth is probably somewhere in the middle. I think I, he's going to be competent this year. I'll go ahead and say I, I, I'd be stunned if he was terrible. Um, so, some uh, auxiliary facts with Mertz here. Pro Football Focus recently, I don't know if you guys saw this, ranked the 131 best quarterbacks coming back next year. They have Mertz at 26. and they start Which is off actually their, very high. It's very high, right? Because that's the thing. If, if you give Wisconsin – we talked about this all the time. If you give Wisconsin a top 25 quarterback, which if he's 26, that's essentially what he is. If you give Wisconsin a consistent top 25 quarterback, it's going to be a really good program. And they lead off with Mertz by saying, if there's one guy on this list that's going to jump, that could jump higher than this, it's this guy. And then I go back to, to listening to the practice whispers, the reports, it guys like Chris talking about Mertz saying, there's times he just makes wow throws. I think the whole package is there. So I'm actually pretty bullish on Graham Mertz. I, I think. Well, even with the hurt show, tell. I think we just, saw some of those wow throws. I think you can just easily tell the swagger's there. Like he. You got to have an it factor at quarterback. You just have to have that certain type of um, the teammates are going to rally around me. I can make every throw, and I have this innate belief in myself. And I think Mertz got that. As as bad as the Northwestern game was, the touchdown pass he threw to Shimmery DK Beautiful. was a dime, just right on top of in him. Stride. Yep. Yep. It was so, also the only offensive the highlight that entire yes, game. Yes, literally the only one. <laughs> that was it. There were a couple nice runs from. Sure. Uh, Sure. Jalen Berger. But, Berger. Uh, if if Berger that, had gotten more reps in that game, who knows how it uh, ends because oh, he actually ran really well. But, yeah. Anyway, um, but getting on, God, let's not go back to that game. Um, Graham Mertz is just – he. It, it, was, it was puzzling to see a guy go through that many highs and lows. And yet, if you look at the extenuating circumstances, the excuses, I guess, we'll, we'll call it, which evidently Nebraska doesn't make um, – you have to you have to sit there and, and say we don't know what we have yet. Mm-hmm. Everyone wanted mm-hmm. him to blow the world away as a redshirt freshman, and it just wasn't probably wasn't realistic. And let me let me throw this out there to you guys. Do you think that he could have a Cohen twenty nineteen type season? Would you think that's unreasonable to expect from him this year? I don't think that's it's unreasonable, unreasonable. No. at all. I don't think it's unreasonable at all. What what would you say? What would you say would be shocking numbers from him this year? A sub fifty percent completion percentage. How about that? So shocking okay. bad. Yep. Well, yes. I would say what's shocking good because I, I let's let's have some positivity going <laughs> this season. We don't do that. We don't do that um, here. That's a that's a really good question. I would say I would say. Oh, go ahead, Ryan. No, I was, I was just going to say it's just still a system that Chris. I just don't believe Paul Chris wants to throw a lot, no matter what. But I mean, if he put up, if he put up twenty eight plus touchdowns, to me that'd be shocking. I don't know about that. See, I I think Chris likes to. Crisp. I think Chris likes to lean on what he thinks is his best chance. 
I think he's the so, most conservative coach in America. Like I, I just I, 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 I don't agree with that. I think see, here's what it is. I think with him, what it is is that he does not want to do something that he thinks is reckless. From that standpoint, I agree with your conservatism, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he wants to lean on the run. That means that he views the run as the less likely to have a negative outcome, which I think you could say in the year that he had Russell Wilson, you looked at it, he knew that he could pass at a high efficient level and that he was like, I'm going to take risks. And, and they didn't start really running heavily in those games until they were just blowing teams out. And then he was like, all right, let's lean on the run and let's just carry this home. Right, but we've talked about that offense basically being the cheat code. That's like the Thanos Wisconsin offense. It is. It's never going to happen again. But That will the, never happen the, again, the, though. The, no, the, you're, you're right there. But what I'm saying is that where this comes into context for this season, I think it's reasonable to say that it's possible that our passing game is going to be better than our running game. Better, yes, but more trusted, no. Like it's totally – so I agree with your, I agree with your pretense that our – our passing game could be better than our running game. I actually think that's likely. That does not mean Chris will lean on that more. I still think, and this is not just my opinion. We could, we could be, um, I could be totally wrong on this, and I probably am. But I still right, think Skip Chris Bayless, is a guy. You're completely wrong. I, I I'm gonna, am. I'm gonna go with this. I'm gonna no, run with this. Let me hold on. Let me finish. Let me finish. I just think that oh. no matter what happens, Chris is gonna be a guy because he wants to control the time of possession because he came up under that type of of philosophy that he's always gonna lean on the run. When it comes to push, comes to shove. All right. Sorry. If, it, uh, come on, man. I was trying to run over your hot take. Yeah. You, were, you, completely you like, were inter- like, I'm like, no, I don't, I don't need to hear anymore. Listen, look, if, if Graham Mertz is the best option to be able to beat teams and throwing the ball like 50, 50 with running is going to be the best option to win games. Paul Christ is going to grab that. He's not going to stubbornly insist, you know what, even though the running game isn't working, I'm still going to run it like 60, 70% of the time because that's just who I am. He'll adapt. Um, really, if Graham Mertz, yes. If the running game's not getting any traction and Graham Mertz is meanwhile completing like 70% of his passes and but there's some sort of competence at wide receiver, don't interrupt my hot take. But he's not going to complete 70% of his passes. Cohen, Cohen completed 70% of his passes yeah, and we just so said that not... that is a realistic potential barometer. Yeah. 70%. Yeah, I'm going to That's where he was. I'm That'd be like seventh in all of college football. Hey. Hey, hold on. Okay. I'm, I'm completing it's... my hot take here. But you interrupted my hot take. You don't get like I can interrupt yours. All right. Girls, girls, you're both pretty, all right? Let's go. You can't complain <laughs> about me interrupting when you interrupted me. Like... He said I'm pretty. You are. All right. All right. Graham Mertz has more receiver options now than he did a year ago, obviously. Um, The running game, unproven. A lot of our offensive linemen, their PFF scores are better at pass blocking than they are at run blocking. Mm -hmm. If it works, you do it. You don't just sit there and, and, and pound your head against a wall. Some coaches do, and that's why they get fired. I guess I can't see Paul Christ if in the circumstances where Graham Mertz is really succeeding and the running game maybe isn't. I can't see him just saying, "Well, you know what? Screw it. We're a run first team." He'll open it up if he has to. And I will say this, just to lean on this a little bit further: this is not a year where I trust any of these guys to to have huge numbers at running back. Like I, I think that we're used to seeing guys at six plus yards per carry or around that or close to that. I think this could be a season where we see our leading rusher be at like 5.3, 5.4, which is low for Wisconsin running back mm-hmm. and is going to show more inconsistency. Unless our offensive line is just a, a juggernaut this year. I don't know if there's a back on the roster that I look at and go, this guy is going to do some special things. I think that we have some very good guys in terms of being able to be solid running backs, but there is no top tier guys like Melvin Gordon, you know, Jonathan Taylor, Taylor Monte <laughs> Ball. Like they might be there in a few years, but none of these guys look that way coming into this year. Well, let's look this back to Mertz in terms yeah. of um, if, if we go back and say, now he's had a full off season. He's, he's had a full off season as a starter, which I think is a big deal. His mm-hmm. receivers are back. The offense he's had a spring camp. Yep. 
all this is a big, big deal, which he didn't have last year. Um, obviously, Cohen was the starter going in. So if we come back and say um, Mertz isn't just that top 26 quarterback that pro football focus has him at, let's say he's a top 20 quarterback, does that significantly alter the ceiling for Wisconsin football? Like, I guess the question I'm asking is, is he the linchpin, the quarterback position in particular for this year's Badgers team? Yes. I'm going to disagree, actually. Ooh. And what I'm going to say here is the only way that that matters is if our running game is our traditional strength. If he has a great year, but we can't rely on our running game to get the traction that we need, then it won't matter because we're going to struggle to still move the ball at times because of the fact that I just don't see he's not going to put up spread offense numbers. Struggling is relative. I mean, Wisconsin's running game is struggling if they're averaging four yards a carry. So, okay, but that could very well happen in the games that we play good teams. Like, I don't – none of these guys are guys that I'm comfortable with against a team like Ohio State. We're, we're not Purdue, okay? We can actually run the football. So I'm not I'm not that well, could, Can we, though? Because we weren't great last year. Like, what was our team average for the, the season? Like 4.3 yards per carry or something like that? It was low. It was better than a lot of the uh, teams that simply can't run the football. And I know, but it's by, by Wisconsin it. standards, it's probably one of the worst rushing marks in the last 20 years. And I mean that like bottom three probably uh, last year. I, I just I'm not I'm not buying what you're selling here on the on the, the doom and gloom about the run game. I'm just saying that we don't we I to say that it's an automatic that it's good this year, I don't think that we can say that. Well we can jump into that when we talk running backs yes. too. Uh-huh. But I, but but my point is is that I think if if the running game isn't great, that Mertz could come in and he right. could be really good, and we could still struggle in some ways with our offense right. because of the fact that we're leaning heavily on the pass. I still think Graham Mertz is the linchpin of whether this is a uber successful season or just an, a normal season. I still think it entirely revolves around what's happening behind the center. What did you oh, see last year from Mertz that worries you? Was there anything in particular? Because I, I have something in particular. I'm curious if forcing, there's anything you guys saw. Forcing forcing bad throws. I think that we saw a lot of young quarterback, I don't know what to do here in certain plays. Like he, he would see something that he wasn't expecting, and he would just freeze. And because of that, that's where you saw the plays where his timing was off and everything else. He, he just was not reacting well to to the defense maybe playing some tricks on him. When you see a guy falling back in the pocket, double clutching, which we saw a lot of, um, he's not sure of himself. And, you know, he he wanted to do things. You could tell just by watching him play, I want to do stuff. It was written all over. It should have been written on the back of his jersey. Um, And I think expectations weighed heavily on Graham Mertz. But I think at the end of the day, as long as he's settled and there's some sort of normality the season he wasn't even supposed to be the starter last year it was supposed to be another year of jack cone so i think with with the normality and the fact that he is now a team leader he has to be de facto because he's the quarterback i think that will settle graham mertz down and we should at, at minimum see a 65 percent completion percentage and i think that he has an outside chance if they play 14 15 games of throwing for three thousand yards I think that's fair. What do you think, think from a, a, a touchdown to interception, like just ballpark figures? Where where do you guys uh, go? Three to one. That's, that's where I'm. That, that no, I mean, immediately. I want a season to total. What what are you thinking? Oh. Twenty four to twenty point eight, something like that. I see. I'm 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 in the. I think a, a solid season from him would be twenty two touchdowns, seven eight picks. Uh, that's right where I'm at. I think that's I think that's realistic, and I think that's a good year. Mm-hmm. Like people that people have to remember too. And we're all victims of this, by the way. Like Badger fans, I, I would almost say, are, are bigger victims of this in the recruiting stars race, right? Badger fans for years have said, nah, three-star, we got kids, we can win with that. It's totally good. Recruiting met, recruiting rankings don't matter as much. And then as soon as we land a four- or five-star kid, we're like, oh, they matter so much, this guy's a total stud. You know, like we are victims of that. And what I'm the reason I bring this up with Mertz is we are, fall victim a little bit to the, the kid at four or five stars, and we expect him to play a certain way as a young kid. He's still a young, young quarterback. Mm-hmm. He's not going to have – this year that we see a Mertz is not going to be the he's best not, year we see a Mertz. Yeah, he's not going to be – we're not going to see a 30-touchdown pass year out of him unless something so goes crazy right. Um, But I think that that is a good 
foundation for him, that type of thing. At the, well, let's, but, not, let's not shortchange the other quarterbacks on the roster. Not at all. Uh, diving into the next guy, let's go. Wolf, how do you guys feel about him as the backup quarterback? Terrible. Do you feel like Sorry. he's a solid? <laughs> oh, my Sorry. God. Do you feel like Chase Wolf is a solid backup quarterback? Um, I Chase Wolf has an interception rate that would make um, Taylor Martinez blush. Like, he's a Brett Favre without the, the accuracy. I, well, let me say this. Let me say this. Like, I love the fact that I think they can find clever ways to use him if they have to by moving the pocket. We already yep. saw that last year. He's mobile. Mm-hmm. The dude's he's got a, a cannon for an he's arm. He's got an arm, but dude, I don't guys, think he knows where it's going. Lack, a lot, lack yeah. of experience, notwithstanding, like the throws that he he is an turnover machine. And that, by the way, that's not small sample size. That's what we heard from every practice report that's been written. Mm-hmm. So. I think if the the question is if we have to turn to Chase Wolf for extended periods of time because of Mertz either getting hurt or something happening, I think it puts a serious ceiling or a serious cap on the ceiling of Wisconsin next I, year. I would agree with that. The other point I want to make here, um, diving into this and things that we've heard, and I, I get this sense off of him as a quarterback more than any guy that I've seen lately as a Badger quarterback, is that he is a guy – who presses super hard when he gets in the games, meaning he wants to make something big happen. More so hell, than come hell or high water. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yep. More, come hell or high water. This guy's going deep. That's where I'm going with the ball. Well, and it's whether to, that guy's open or not. Look at it from Chase Wolf's perspective, though. He is now the backup to a four-star former All-American recruit. Yep. Uh, the, the way might be blocked. So he had an opportunity. And what are you going to do when you have an opportunity? You're going to press and push it. He wanted to win those games with every throw. Yep. So I would expect that if Chase Wolf can accept the role of a backup and potentially coming in and having to uh, play within the offense, I think Chase Wolf can be successful. If Chase Wolf wants to come in and be a hero, he's going to put up the numbers that he did last year. Yes, agreed. Yeah. Going down the line, Danny Vandenboom. God bless Danny Vandenboom. He's an organizational soldier. Like he's 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 what you'd view like a minor league baseball player who's just a guy that's on the roster to fill out one of those. Yeah, he's the fifth starter in the Triple A team. Like, and I mean that. No, by the way, he's got a five star quarterback name. Like that sounds like a kid out of Texas, right? Danny Vandenboom, quarterback for South Lake Mm -hmm. Carroll. But he just—I mean, it is what it is. Like he's organizational filler. Yep. And and then right, I think that he's, he's a guy gonna, that they looked at as like uh, he's got some intriguing physical characteristics. I think Let's just take a shot. Most, I think he's the most likely player to be found uh, having broken into a meat freezer in a restaurant and laying there in a, <laughs> in a meat. food coma <laughs> when the cops get there. <laughs> like sorry, a side Dan- of beef that he's just gnawing. Uh, <laughs> our show you pulls can't... no punches to the quarterbacks yeah. not named Mertz. I'm, I'm yeah, sorry, I say, he, I, I, he we gained gotten... way too much weight. That yeah. was weird. It's like, are you It was like 50 pounds, good? wasn't it, or something oh like God. that, like super quick? Yeah, Daniel writes a big like One year. Oh, wow. Okay, they, have a, well, they have a nutrition program at Wisconsin, I swear to God, they do. Are we sure he's still a quarterback? I don't think he is. I don't think he I is think they, I think they see an elite left tackle out of him. Uh-huh. Look what happened to Sean Lewis. He came here as a quarterback. He left mm-hmm. as a 275-pound blocking tight end. Yep. So next, someplace where we may find some positive you know, thoughts here, Deacon Hill. Mm. What are you guys, you know, high three-star quarterback, four-star on a few sites uh, for out of Santa Barbara, California. Kid is probably, from a physical tools standpoint, the biggest freak the Badgers have had since Bart Houston. That, oh, Houston? no. Way better. Somebody, from, Wait, we have to go back. No, 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 no. I'm talking, I'm talking about arm strength and size. Bart well, Houston did not have the arm strength of Deacon Hill. I would say no. Yeah. It's not the same, but he's the, he had the biggest arm since. I don't even Bart think Bart Houston had that big of an arm. But either way, your point is so. The point you're making is totally correct, though. Like Deacon Hill is coming in with a cannon. Like as much and, as we like, well, Mertz, I said Chase Wolf had a cannon. 
He's got like a, he's got a, uh, a missile to the moon. Yeah, he's he's effectively he's effectively um, throwing the ball through a wall. I mean, when you talk about physical packages, Mertz Mertz may be the equal because he's a little more mobile. Like if you factor all in, but if you're just talking about size and arm strength, um, yeah, Deacon Hill he's, is he's on Ben Roethlisberger, level, yeah. which which doesn't mean anything in, in the big like he's there's still refinement to be had. But from a physical arm strength standpoint, Deacon Hill is about the the. Most He's the best arm guy. we've ever seen as a quarterback. We, for the I can't think of a guy like in the modern era of Badger football, right? I can't. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I can't. There's think of a nobody guy. that I have seen that can put the ball on a oh. line. Like he's one of those guys that legitimately can probably throw a forty-yard dart down the field. Forty? I think sixty. <laughs> we've seen. Well, nobody throw. throws the ball sixty yards on a line. I'm, I'm saying, if you remember back in the days when the the Packers had, uh, who's the guy that played for the Saints? Aaron. Aaron, Aaron Brooks. Aaron Brooks, sorry. There was a preseason game where I saw him throw a 40-yard dime that probably got 15 feet off the ground when he threw it. And I was like, whoa, where did that arm come from? That's the type of throw that we can see Deacon Hill make at some point because he has that kind of arm where he can just be like, I'm throwing an absolute missile right. down the field here, and you will not have the time to react to this because I'm going to throw it so hard that as a defender, you're either there or you're not. And, and as a receiver, you're either you're either going to catch it, or you're going to break a couple fingers. Yes, exactly. I mean, he's he's the heir apparent, right? So you have Mertz, you redshirt. I mean, I mean, just speaking logically, he's, he's redshirting. Yeah, you there's, there's there's no unless, way he's mentally ready to play unless you never Did, know. Well, I mean, he could press by the end of the season, start pushing for that second spot, but it's so hard to get the reps to actually show something that proves that you deserve to move up. Like Wisconsin is not one of those schools where you're going to get the opportunity to to make that jump because Chris isn't the guy who's going to be like, I'm going to take potential here and slide it into the second spot. He wants somebody that's going to be stable if they go in. Absolutely, because you need a guy who, if Mertz misses a quarter against Michigan, like you need a guy who can come in and run the offense. That's mm-hmm. where Danny Vanden Moom sees his opportunity and that's slides where right in. <laughs> if so, we're talking arm strength for Deacon Hill, it's the exact opposite end of the spectrum for Vanden Boom. It's not his, um, what, wheelhouse? So here's yeah. a question I want to ask both you guys. Rank, give it a A through F, um, obviously A being a top pick grade. Rank the quarterback room right now for this season and rank the quarterback room for the next five years based on what we have in the pipeline right now. And include Burkett, Miles Burkett in the next five years one. Justin, you want to? For this year, I'm going to say B minus. And that's leaning heavily on Deacon Hill and and Mertz. And into the future? Into the future, I'm going to say C plus. Wow, that's pretty low. Ooh. I like it though. I was going to go with a B minus again, like just like you did for this year, but I was going to go with a solid. B I don't know how long we'll have Mertz, which is why I say that, and I don't know how much depth there is if he leaves early. That's fair. Well, uh, if Wisconsin can, oh, I'm going to throw. Some like I think he'll. I think we will hit on Deacon Hill. I, if, I do want to say that. Yeah. I think he potentially could end up being better than Mertz. If Wisconsin, if if, and I'm not going to dismiss Miles Burkett. Off the just off the off the yep. cuff, he's not even at Wisconsin yet. Mm-hmm. But for twenty twenty three, uh, Braden Dorman um, is is one of the guys they're pursuing, top ten quarterback. Um, according, I need to, to see him commit here before. I'll, yeah, I'll I know. Him. I'm just saying, if Wisconsin can land a guy of that caliber, does that no makes a difference for sure? Yeah, he if they may, if they pick up another A plus quarterback where they get a guy who's a four star four star plus, then it most definitely changes the landscape going forward, but we need to prove that that's our new normal that we're going to consistently pull in those guys that are low four stars or whatever at court. No offense to Danny Wright, but if we pull in another Danny Wright for 2023, we're in, we're in trouble. We can't do the every other year thing anymore. We need to be (laughs) consistently pulling in four stars. Um, I, I'm actually higher than both of you guys. I think I'm a B this year. I think Mertz is really good. I just, I do. I think he's going to show out. And then for the next five years, I'm at a B plus. I just don't think we get guys like Mertz and Deacon Hill very often. So that I, I'm more optimistic. I get both of the concerns, and I do agree with Justin that there is a depth concern there. But if you have a part of the reason you get a big physical dude is they don't get hurt as much. Like Deacon Hill is six five two thirty, and he might. I think he's even bigger than that now. So well, and that's the reason why the way I look at it is if you're if your starter's an A, but you have C minus depth behind him, then it's like you have to kind of drag the rest of the score down. 
All right. On that note, we're going to go ahead and take a break, and we're going to come back with our top five linebackers since 2000. All right. Thanks, everyone. You're listening to the Bucky Cast. Follow us on Twitter at the Bucky Cast or email the show at thebuckycast at gmail.com. Welcome back to the Bucky Cast. Justin here with John and Ryan. We are now diving into our top five linebackers since 2000. Yeah, that's an appropriate As way to start. Ryan this. cracks another beer. I just had one too. This is the deepest position. This is like there are so many good linebackers that we've had just in the last eight years, really, with the advantage you know, or with the the Dave Aranda coming in and putting my, in three four. My honorable mention list for this list was ten players deep. It's so, and they're all NFLers. They're all NFL players yep. almost. Yep. It's incredible. On my notes, the number of guys who have NFL written next to them is yep ridiculous there are just, a ton of dudes yeah so let's start out with number five number five all right who wants to go first i'll go first should i go first i'm gonna go first go for it way to, um, way to seize the baton with both yeah hands, listen Ryan. i got so into this list that for a while i was um putting each player into the search bar with um awesome and seeing how many hits i would get to help <laughs> like break ties <laughs> Like I was trying to find Twitter impressions per player. Like it's odd. There are so many good linebackers, but my number five is Mike Taylor. So um, Mike Taylor, Mike Taylor's really interesting to me because you can make an argument that he should be higher just based on the cumulative career he had, like several years. He had 377 career tackles, um, all freshman team, two-time all big 10. He actually led the big 10 in tackles one year with 150. I mean, the highest tackle total in the entire conference. But I think with Mike Taylor, the thing that maybe keeps him back a little bit is there were some injury problems, and he lacked a little bit of the explosiveness of some of the other great Badger linebackers. But he was a total warrior. I love and that's, Mike Taylor. That's the tough part with it. Ryan. Physical tools are kind of where you have to make your line with a yep. lot of these guys. Ryan, you, you are completely ignorant, and that's why I'm so angry that you picked the same number five linebacker that I did. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, Mike. T- he's so he flew just under the radar. But if you compare his stats to other guys who had bigger names and suffer from a recency bias, mm-hmm. Mike Taylor just pops out. I he's mean, awesome. I, I was as I was, you know, listing all my all the guys down. I'm like, look at all the accolades, look at all the stats, mm-hmm. and how how badly mismanaged was that defense? You know, back in 2012 to have. Uh, 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 another linebacker who will probably show up on our lists and Mike Taylor on it and be so bad because both those mm-hmm. guys were elite talents at linebacker. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Mike Taylor ever made it to the NFL. Did he? He did. So he signed with the Seahawks and he was on their practice squad for two years. Yeah. He never which, got drafted. right? Which he by the way like... is that's an incredible accomplishment. If you make an mm-hmm. NFL practice roster for two years, oh, like especially with his injury he history, he had so yeah. many injuries. He had he had a, he had core issues too, didn't he? Yep, massive Abdominal. amounts of injuries. Yep. He was not the other thing you're going to find throughout this list. These are not huge four star players. Mm-hmm. These Mike Taylor, I don't even know that he was three stars. I don't think he was. I think he's a two star no. kid. Yeah, and that's that's going to be a theme in this list. He's a former wrestler too, wasn't he? Yep. As as her is the requisite for Wisconsin, <laughs> you know, folk football heroes. They have to be. A good in another sport so all right my number five is zach bond based off of i mean and in this my issue with him is he's a guy who from a skill talent could have been higher up the list but he just did not have the longevity you know he's one of these probably the best pass rusher we had out of the group or as a pure pass rusher but i mean what are you gonna do he had one amazing season one year in a couple of years where he really struggled with injuries and uh, it held him back. But I, you know, he's one of those guys you look at and it's like that film from his senior year is just amazing. Like he consistently was beating NFL guys to get to the quarterback. Yep. Great bend. Um, number four, I've got TJ Watt. Uh, the thing with Watt is it's just really one dominant year. You know, sometimes you just have to see a dude for a year and be like, that guy deserves to be on this list. But he didn't have the the career some of the other guys had. But in his one year, 
Um, 11 and a half sacks, four pass defenses. He had that touchdown off the interception return against, I think, his Purdue, which was ridiculous. First team All American honors, um, first team All Big Ten. 11 and a half sacks, like I said, and he was just a total wrecking ball. Led the Big Ten in sacks that year. So, again, the best pass rusher in a conference known for putting pretty good pass rushers into the league. And then, obviously, the NFL success kind of is a validation point for him. So, excuse me, I got T.J. Watt at my number four. Uh, number four for me is Zach Bond. Um, just as, as good as TJ Watt was, um, I feel like he's a better, he, he is like a better pro than he, and he was a good college football player. Don't get me wrong, but he's a better pro than he was a college football player. Uh, Zach Bond just was utterly dominant in 2019. Mm-hmm. He was a, he was a wrecking ball. He was everywhere and you just couldn't account for him. Um, you know, he, he, I legitimately feel like he sometimes opponents would struggle just because of the fear of where he was going to be on the field. And they didn't mm-hmm. know. And that to me, you know, despite the fact that he only had that one good year, the the uh, the impact he had. Probably our best before. outside guy dropping in coverage, too. Yes. Yep. Cannot mm-hmm. emphasize enough how dangerous he was and and that was the thing that made that 2019 defense so special was that he and chris Orr just were were deadly dropping back into space um and and could pull a pick at any time mm-hmm. that's a great point we going to me yeah who's your number four well, who else my number four to? joe schobert Amazing. I like probably one of my most favorite guys to watch in terms of the way that he just knew how to move on the field was great at getting skinny and finding his way through holes. He just, the guy was a playmaker. Like he constantly found ways to, I've never seen a guy in a pass rush go untouched to the quarterback so many times as Joe Schobert, who just would have a, a def, an offensive lineman drop, take a drop step back. And just be like, okay, I'm going to go run right past you to your, you know, the side of you now. Physical tools. He's another one of those guys who is very underrated in terms of actual physical talent. He is by all means was an NFL level athlete coming out of here. Probably one of our top three or four linebackers in terms of athleticism. Ooh, I, oh, I would hard on. disagree on that. I would disagree really? on the athleticism thing. I think so. Top three or four. Then. then you start thinking about guys like Leon. Jacob. I'm not saying he's one of the top couple guys. I'm saying I'm I'm not saying he's one or two on that list. I'm saying that he's he's in oh. the probably three or four. I think that when you look at yes, physical actual tools, you're probably looking at Leon Jacobs. I think it's and Jacobs, Zach Bond. Bond. Watt is more athletic with physical tools than Schobert. Um, that's an interesting discussion. Though. Was he faster? Was Watt faster than him, though? I think he was. Speaking bigger. of splitting okay. hairs, people. that's fair. Here we, here we yeah, go. Splitting hairs for sure. This is this is a tough list, man. It really it is. is. Um, so at number three, I got the guy you guys have already both talked about, Zach Bond. Um, I got him for not a lot to add, but I do want to emphasize. I agree with John. It's one of the greatest points you've ever made. Like the fear of Zach Bond offense has just had us. A hell of a time blocking him. Oh, he did it against everybody. Oh, he the way he could bend an edge, we've just never had a guy like that. And I'll also point out this is interesting. Zach Bond is the uh, first consensus first team All American linebacker Wisconsin's ever had. Like universally, the accolades poured in for him. The stats backed it up. The NFL that is a validation point. Nothing else to add. You guys have already talked about it, but Zach Bond's my number three. Uh, my number three, I'm going to go with TJ Edwards. Uh, I just want to point something out. Um, again, going back to that theme, Joe Schobert was a walk-on running back when he got here. Um, TJ Watt, not a big time recruit. TJ Edwards was a high school quarterback who was sort of a, a last minute addition. We flipped him from Western Michigan. TJ Edwards was a freshman All-American in 2015. He was first team all Big Ten 2017 and 2018. He was an All-American in 2017. Uh, went undrafted and still made the Eagles roster and is now a starter. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about a dude? TJ Edwards' motor is stuck on go. There is no stop. Uh, so, wh- I don't know what more you can say. I think 
NFL teams made a massive misread, like, oh, this guy's just, you know, the classic uh, run-only uh, linebacker. TJ Edwards had a few monumental picks and big plays in games, yeah. and I just felt he was the most underrated All-American of, of all time. I think the issue with him is that from an actual burst and straight-line speed standpoint, he's not overly impressive i don't think he was a bad athlete i just don't think he i think he lacked that i think he was super top end speed and i think his instincts were some of the best instincts i've ever seen on an on a linebacker other than a guy who's going to appear later on this list oh i'm not disputing that i think i think he was great i mean there's a reason why he got the accolades he did but he's not a guy that you'd look at and say this is a guy who is going to run down the seam with a a Above average tight end. Um, on that point, my number three, TJ Watt. I honestly think that we, if he had played multiple seasons, you likely could make the case that he's probably number one on this list. He has that level of skill set to him where he's prototypical size, strength, had great speed. His motor was probably, well, probably – second to maybe only one guy on the entire list. <laughs> I think we all know who I'm talking about there. We'll get to him. Um, yeah, we'll get to him. Um, but just from a pedigree standpoint and watching him, I still remember my favorite TJ Watt moment was when we were playing Michigan in Wisconsin, the, ga- the game we won, and they were getting they were trying to run off tackle with him. And uh, they – the – Tackle came out trying to block him, and Watt threw a shoulder into the tackle who was trying to block him and rocked him on his heels. And the guy was just out of the play. And actually, it wasn't a it wasn't a run. It was a quarterback. The quarterback was moving the pocket, and it was a bootleg. And the offensive lineman couldn't recover, and Watt just came downhill at the quarterback. I think I think I don't think he got the sack on the play, but I just remember watching him pop that lineman and thinking that he just did that to a three hundred pound tackle. And I'm like, he's a two hundred and forty five pound linebacker who just manhandled that tackle. But he's a Watt. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's just it. And there's a reason why the guy is one of the top defensive players in the yep. NFL now. He's like so his skill set is such a freak skill set. No, I agree. Um, moving on to two. Number two. That's where I got TJ Edwards. This list is not complete without him. I I think even to to John's point, and, and actually to Justin's point too, I, I agree. Like I, I think it's the straight line speed which held him back, but the instincts which are hard to measure at the combine is what allows him to be such a great player. He's got he's got a sixth sense for it. And to speak even further to the the pass defensibility, um, talking about a guy who defended 50, had 15 pass deflections over his career as a linebacker. I mean, that's incredible. He's also a guy who had 366 tackles, which if you look in um, the history of the Big Ten, now we're talking about the, the history of the Big Ten, one of the most venerable conferences in college football. He's fifth all time in total tackles. I mean, fifth all time in solo tackles. All time. Like, it, that's incredible. Like, they're – there's an argument that he's one of the the best inside linebackers in the history of college in the history of the Big Ten. So yeah, T.J. Edwards is on my list at number two. I think it's the culmination of four years of of playing. It's being fifth all time. It's the ability to play the run and play the pass. Um, very underrated player. Agree with everything John said in terms of being one of the most underrated All Americans that I've I've ever seen. If there is such a thing. Yeah. Exactly. That's that's so crazy that he was an mm-hmm. All American and yet nobody 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 appreciated T.J. Edwards. Oh, that Total guy. Beast. Yeah. Number um, two, John. Yep. Uh, my number two, Joe Schobert. Um, I, I he was he was v- so dominant. Um, he had a, the reason that Zach Bond finishes behind him in my rankings is because Joe Schobert had a little bit more uh, longevity, excuse me, longevity than Zach Bond did. Zach Bond was like a comet streaking through the sky um, in terms of his career because there was just that one year. But Joe Schobert um, had play before that, and in 2015, he was completely dominant, a Lombardi Award semifinalist and an All-American in 2015. Uh, and again, for that to come from a walk-on running back is 
you know, incredible and now a successful NFL pro. I struggle um, putting him ahead of Edwards. Did you? It, to me, the, 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 the tipping point was the, uh, the Lombardi semifinalist. Cause I don't think that, um, TJ Edwards ever made that list. If you make the Lombardi award list, that's even as a semifinalist, that's pretty prestigious. So this is beyond watch list. You know, he had a legitimate shot. That's fair. All right. My number two, also TJ Edwards. Um, just had the longevity. Uh, we have a couple other guys who are really, and I'm going to give a quick shout out here to a guy who I almost had well up the list to and Vince Beagle. Yep. Who did not make my list, but it was also one of the guys that kind of started the linebacker tradition at Wisconsin, who's, in my opinion, kind of very underrated. Now his tackle for loss numbers were insane, and we have to we have to pay uh, pay due to the players who came besides Mike Taylor who came prior to the three uh, four arriving at Wisconsin. Um, on my honorable mention list, uh, Nick Grison. Who who remember oh, yeah. Nick Grison mm-hmm. he was played in the guy, NFL for a while. Played in the NFL for eight years, uh, all Big Ten in two thousand and one. Alex Lewis from 2003, yep. all big mm-hmm. 10, also an NFL player. Uh, Jonathan Casillas. Casillas so I, don't, and, I don't know if he and DeAndre Levy ever. We're, made to, we're talking team. athletes. He oh, may very Casillas well be the awesome. best yeah. athlete that ever uh, set foot in linebacker for us. Casillas he was has, a 4 3 linebacker. Rangy. Yeah. Um, Jonathan Casillas obviously will go down in, in Badger history and, and Golden Gopher infamy for recovering the block <laughs> punt in the 2005 game that was so, so huge for Wisconsin. That is a top three Badger moment. Oh, for me. yeah, definitely. Yep. Um, but I don't, Casillas had more success. Honestly, he's another guy like um, TJ Watt who had more success at the uh, pro level than he yep. did at the college level. Well, that's just he was it. a good like, college he was, player. He was a. A athletic freak who just didn't have the production to match it in college. And we had, to be fair, might have had the best core linebackers we've ever had during that period of time. DeAndre DeAndre Levy was better in college than than Casillas, and and Casillas was a great college player. And and Levy was a great pro, too. Yep. Those were great linebackers. Mm -hmm. Who was the middle linebacker out of that group? Hodge? Was it Elijah Hodge? I don't know if he, I I don't think Elijah Hodge. Or was he after? Yeah, I think he was – well, he was coterminous with them, but I don't know that he ever who was, was the Who was player. the middle linebacker out of that group? Because Casillas and Levy were on the edges, weren't they? They were. I don't the remember. Fourth. Well, regardless, um, Derek Landish, um, people forget about him, but Derek Landish was all Big Ten in 2014. Inside linebacker, he only started for one year. Um, again, another another streaking comet through the sky for Wisconsin. Um, guys who develop and then as redshirt seniors. Yeah, him and Trotter. All Ten. See, yep, Marcus Trotter. Uh, Vince Beagle, again, Andrew Van Ginkle. The list goes on and on. How about Ryan but, Conley, Jack Sitchie? Yep. Um, Leon Jacobs? Yep. It's These are all just, NFL guys. Yep. Mm-hmm. And didn't make our time. They're all underrated athletes. Like Connolly was a guy who had except Leon field Jacobs. Speed Nobody underrates days. Leon Jacobs as, as an athlete. Like everyone no. understands yes. that that dude is. Well, he's a freak. I mean, the guy ran yeah. a what is a four four nine in the combine and at he, linebacker. He's got arms that look like they came out of the you know the gym in North North Hollywood. I mean, the guy is just a monster. Well, let's right. let's get to number one. Let's let's kill the 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 suspense if there is any. Um, Chris Borland. I mean, I'm assuming that you guys probably went with what um, Borland as well. Like, <laughs> no, or, no, I went uh, with. Uh, let's see. I don't know. I can't. I can't even. Can't think of a we random. We just name. named. We just named virtually every uh, Wisconsin yeah, linebacker, linebacker that started in the last yeah <laughs> 15 so, years. Um, to uh, to pay tribute to Chris Borland, uh, three time. Uh, all Big Ten linebacker, uh, three-time Big Ten champ. He was an All-American in 2013. Not only an All-American, but the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year in 2013. Uh, he was the Freshman of the Year in uh, 2009. So had the Big I'm, Ten record for fumbles, yeah. right? Or was it NCAA? Oh, man. He forced, he forced fumbles. nine fumbles. He forced five fumbles in one season. 
I think it was all the season he kicked uh, three extra points and threw yeah. a twenty-three yard pass. <laughs> Incredible! Right? Like, Incredible. like Borland was silly, man. Like that's the thing with Borland was two. I, he was the cheat code of linebackers. I remember him throwing a spin move on a guy as a freshman. That was against Minnesota. That was yeah. against. And it was like whoa. tackle. Yeah, yeah. And he was a two-star recruit. Out of Kettering, Ohio, right? Yeah. I remember a story I heard about him. I think it was somebody who was talking about his sister who came here when he got offered by the Badgers. And he was on campus, did camp, got offered, and they asked him how he felt about it, and he just did a standing backflip to commemorate it. He's And I was like, that's insane. Borland's a nuthouse. Like Borland is is maybe one of my favorite, not even maybe. Borland is one of my favorite Badgers I've ever watched. There is, um, first of all, if you ever go back and look Google Chris Borland High School hit, there's this play you guys have probably seen it from his recruiting film. Maybe you haven't. If you haven't, it's awesome. It's like he's playing middle linebacker against his rival high school. It's like a fourth and one. He jumps over the offensive line, like clears him, grabs the linebacker, and does a flip and like throws him as he's doing the running, flip. Running back, <laughs> as he's back. a linebacker. It's like the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. It looks like a video game on rookie level. Um, <laughs> and then the thing with Borland that people forget is, I mean, the Wisconsin fans don't forget this, but he was so short as a linebacker. He played. He was only five ten. Yeah, he was tiny, and he had tiny arms, and. At the combine, they were they were asking him about it. One of the guys was interviewing him and said, "You know, your arms are really small for a, for a linebacker going to the pros." And Borland said, "You know, it's never stopped me from reaching any of the food I need." Yeah, it's just it's, <laughs> you know, like Borland was great, man. And in his one year in the NFL, which he retired because he had concerns about CT and concussions, and he's gone on to kind of advocate for that. But in his one year in the NFL, he only started eight games. He had 108 tackles and with two interceptions, mm-hmm. and he was the the NFL Rookie of the Year in November. Like, the dude was just an incredible football player. I remember them talking about him over, like, a two- or three-game span, having one of the – and we're, I'm not even talking rookies. I, they were talking about his coverage skills as being, during that span, mm-hmm. like, he was the highest-rated linebacker for coverage during that two- or three-game window where he, he was started starting games because he never took a wrong step. He was, like he was so instinctual. Suffered the most ignominious season-ending injury ever. Uh, yes. Topping out his shoulder against UNLV. I remember that. It was How horrible. terrible is that? They were not, UNLV has been bad, but they were really bad that year. And to lose Chris Borland in the opening game of the season uh, to a UNLV freak running back uh, hitting into his shoulder, God, yeah. that was painful. You guys uh, remember that Ohio State game? against Carlos Hyde, Ohio State's 235-pound pound running back. Ohio State had a second and goal from the three-yard line. He just stuffed Borland, him like two yards back. Borland met Hyde in the hole and just buried him. I mean, it, yeah. it's one of the great hits I've ever seen at the college level. I mean, He was a very was, good athlete for his size. Was generously six foot listed. Yep. Was not six foot. Oh, he wasn't six foot. He was 5'10". He wasn't even 5'11". At max. No, at max. But I think he was pretty aligned on this player. this linebacker list for the most and he, part. And he also suplexed suplexed Taylor um, Martinez. Yeah, Taylor Martinez. Yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite hits in Badger history. Nope. Alrighty. I think we're pretty aligned list. on this list. Yep. This is pretty good. Mm-hmm. It looks like really we really don't have any major discrepancies here. So TJ no. Watt is not on my list, but honestly, the one thing I will say is going forward with this is. You look at this list and you see how many of these guys were either extremely low-rated guys or guys who weren't even linebackers coming out of high school, and you start to see the type of guys that we've been bringing in over the last few cycles and the ratings that ratings that they have. The future is very, very bright for the Badgers in terms of the type of guys that they have there. Mm-hmm. And given we've shown a propensity – to get guys like this into the NFL who aren't even really built for the position, and now we're getting those guys, there could be some greatness coming through the linebacker. But position it can't be any greater than this, right? Like, there's <laughs> it, it could be it, it could be less it could be more conventional. Maybe. I guess would be the way you look at it. I think some of these guys were conventional, though, and they're just overlooked because they're from Wisconsin. Like TJ Watt was. TJ Watt was, yeah. I mean, he's a prototypical 
outside linebacker. And even Zach Bond, though Zach Bond in in the Southern Texas, he's a little getting, light, but yeah, he's, he's getting a, a three high three four star type recruiting thing because probably he. I mean, the the knock on Bond is that he's a guy who's two thirty, and it, ideally you'd like to see a guy who's two forty five at that position. Um, so he's he's a speed rusher. Take take notice, uh, college linebackers. Um, we're, yeah. we're talking about you, Tech Curtis, and uh, uh, Tosili Akana and uh, Trevor Carter. Cheeks. Yeah, no, yep. no doubt. You want to uh, play in the NFL? Uh, if we can put a walk-on or a two-star kid into the NFL, we could put you in the NFL. <laughs> yeah. Just saying. All right. On that note, guys, we're going to go ahead and take a break, and we're going to come back with Name That Badger. You're listening to the Bucky Cast, where in-state recruiting includes Minnesota. Welcome back to the Bucky Cast. Justin here with John and Ryan. Time for Name That Badger. And yes, I finally called Ryan by the correct name. To come <laughs> back from break. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right. Name That Badger. I decided to go uh, number one with a theme here. Kyle um, French. No, it's not Kyle French. <laughs> you say every time. I love it. Um, we're going to go with a linebacker here and we're going to go in the way back machine back to the oh, 2000 no. era and ryan's going to blurt this one out almost immediately oh uh, don't put that pressure on me now i feel this, like if i don't get him up failure this gentleman was in the uh don't you put that on me ricky bobby <laughs> this gentleman came to us in the 2000 recruiting class out of bedford ohio and the, oh, only, no. the only stat i'm going to give you he was our leading tackler in 2005 with 94 tackles total. Oh my God. I have a guy I'm picturing. I cannot think of his name for the life of me. Uh, Can't you mentioned Grison earlier. Yeah. It's not him. Is it? Nick Grison. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mention the player earlier in the podcast and then give you guys. Or would I, you, you never know with you. Yeah, exactly. Or would you? Dun, dun, dun. Um, do you got anything else that we could use? Like, what do you like want? Players Hiding Almanac weight? or something? You, you gave us so leading. Oh, so hold on. He's from where? Bedford, Ohio. Bedford, Ohio. Linebacker, two thousand five. Oh man, he was a senior that year. I'm picturing a guy. I cannot think of his name Bedford, Ohio. for the life of me. Um, this one is tough. I have to admit, I outdid myself on this one. That leading tackle 2005. I might have been underway in 2005 on my submarine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, to be fair, not my. Submarine. I can think of his. I can't think of his name, but I can picture him right now, That's and it's the US driving me nuts. Submarine, sir. Oh no, not my. He submarine. had a shaved head, right? When he uh, played, I don't remember if he had a shaved head or not. Oh, I do man. remember him though. I cannot really, think really of this guy's name, and it's driving me nuts. Um, actually, you'll you'll kick yourselves when I tell you who it is. But I'm going to give you guys ten. I know seconds. I will because oh, I'm pretty oh, sure oh, I know oh. who it is. Is it Jonathan Casillas? No, it no, is it's not. not. It's he earlier is. than that. Yeah, I mean he's not from Ohio. Yeah. Um. Um. This is better than Pat Muldoon. I, I swear to God. Um. I, Hold on, no, no, don't give it to us. Give us one. <laughs> is there one more clue you can give us? Anything else? I start with a Z, his last name. Uh, hold on here a second. Standard, I, will, uh, I will go. I will go to NFLDraftScout.com and I'll give you some stats. Elijah on him. Hodge wasn't no. No, it's before that. Six foot one, two hundred and ten pounds. Ooh. That's tiny. Jeez, yeah, I'm geez. not thinking of the same guy. No. Sanders? Is it Sanders? Sanders, Sanders. Sanders. Zan- Xander? No, it's not Xander. No, I need no, no, a no, full, no. I need a full name here. Ah! What is your name? <laughs> I know you. I seriously know you. This is going to be an A.J. Jordan situation. No, it's not because I have no clue. I can't think of anyone with Sanders. Barry? Ran a 4-4-9, uh, 40. Dante Sanders. Dante Sanders. Oh, he got it. Dante Sanders. Second. Right? <laughs> you are correct. That's not who I was thinking of. I got to think of the guy who I was thinking of now. 
it was Dantes Sanders who led the team in tackles. In oh, I don't know if that's good podcasting. Is that good radio to hear us like struggle for thirty seconds? I don't know. No, <laughs> yeah, I love no, it. it's not. I love it. Oh. Um, it may not be it may not be good podcasting, but it's personally satisfying for me. <laughs> Zalewski is who I was thinking of. Yeah, oh, Zalewski's Zalewski. a good one. That's why I'm like his name starts with a Z. I'm like, <laughs> I, so no lie. When you said Z, that's what triggered me on the Dantes. Oh, way to go, Justin! You didn't know the name, but you just threw out a yeah. random sound. <laughs> And you yeah. threw him off. I, th- I threw out the, the random guy who I could picture, and Zalewski did have his head like f- buzz cut. Folks, you can't, that's why I could not think. I'm like, folks, darn it. You can't see this at home, but uh, Ryan's head is bleeding. I like, hate, he looks, I don't, from the ears and the nose. He's. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I like, had an aneurysm. I don't know if I like this segment or not. In fact, I don't. <laughs> you, I don't. You don't like it. You've said this multiple times, which is why I keep coming back to it. I, I can't look to, if it helps at all. I can't even remember the guy you just named. So it was like Zaluski is the only guy. Sanders. No, I don't, man. I I, mean, I remember. It's not a name that flies into your head, but if someone says, "Hey, you remember Dante Sanders?" He'll fly right in that and be like, "Oh yeah, I remember Dante Sanders." Yeah. yeah, the linebacker core that year was Lamar Watkins, Mark Zaluski, and Dante Sanders. Yep. So you were, some reason I remember this. I can remember the safety, Alan Langford, oh. Roderick Rogers, even the Brett Bell one took me a while to remember him. Yeah, two thousand five. Oh, against was not an auspicious year defense. We were bad on defense that year, weren't we? Oh, yeah. Two thousand six, we had a big rebound year. Yep, two thousand five was not an elite year for Wisconsin at defense. To coin a, a Golden Gophers. Elite. Crappy phrase. Ugh. I hate how they've ruined elite. They've ruined the word elite. They really have. I like. I get annoyed with the fact that I've used it after saying it. All right. Well, on that note, guys, we're gonna go ahead and call it a week. Thank you for listening to the Bucky Cast. Thanks so much for listening to the Bucky Cast. If you've enjoyed the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate it, and we'll catch you next time on Wisconsin.